All right, we're going to do it. We're going to try to clean up the dirt sheets on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble, the subjectively objective podcast for fans of the sports entertainment known as pro wrestling. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, let's start it off with what I think is the more popular thing that people are talking about this week, especially the last couple of days, is William Regal and his status with AEW. So this all started after what happened last week on Dynamite, where Moxley just told him, leave and don't ever come back. Dave Meltzer says, oh, that was just them writing off William Regal because his contract is up and he's going to go to WWE after Triple H tweeted something about war games and a montage of Regal saying war games. Then he recants that <laughs> and goes, oh, wait, sorry. He's still under contract. His contract's for three years. Then this segment happens on Dynamite this week where MJF hits him in the back of the head and Regal gets escorted out of the building via stretcher and then leaves through an ambulance to a hospital. Now, Meltzer is saying, why do they do this if he's gone? No revenge for Moxley. MJF not explaining himself. You know, weird things that Meltzer was saying. Then you have PW Insider now saying, yeah, all roads lead to Regal going to WWE. I don't know what to make of this. I think this is all BS. I honestly won't know what the status of Regal is going to be until next time I see him on either AEW or WWE. So, Again, another situation where until I hear AEW confirm this or Regal show up somewhere else, I'm not believing a damn thing from the dirt sheets. I'm with you on this. I, I don't know what to think of this. I, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what's fact, what's fiction. And I guess for a storyline uh, like the one maybe they're trying to uh, tell here, it could be a good thing, right? If he is actually under contract for another two or three years or however long, um, because he can show back up and maybe get some type of revenge on MJF and they can continue the storyline with him involved. Um, or he can just magically show up in WWE. Who knows? But uh, yeah, not not the best week for reporting, I guess. No, especially Dave Meltzer, because it seems like Dave is just really off his game recently. And I know a lot of people don't even believe Dave Meltzer to begin with, but I usually was on the side of Meltzer does at least his due diligence to at least get the story right. But if he's saying stuff on Wrestling Observer Radio, that's more of his speculation that gets spread around by the likes of Ringside News and Wrestle Talk. And this here is like he, he's writing it in the website on Wrestling Observer's website, on his newsletter, and also saying it on Wrestling Observer Radio. So it's like, what side do you take? It makes absolutely no sense. Is he with AEW or does he have a three-year contract or is he going to WWE? It seems kind of odd that if he's leaving AEW for WWE, he just joined AEW back in February. He debuted at Revolution this past year or earlier this year, I should say. And he's gone in 10 months. AEW don't have a 10 month contracts. I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> I've never, no. I mean, unless he's per appearance, but even then, like, a guy like Regal, I would think, is someone you tie down for a while, whether or not it's just for an on-screen role or a backstage role or some hybrid of the two. You're not having them on as a per diem basis like some of the other talent that are signed in AEW. You're having him there for three years. That makes sense. This whole thing about, oh, he's leaving for WWE, honestly, I don't think makes much sense right now, given the situation that is the context that we have of his time in AEW. It's not like Bobby Fish leaving AEW. 
to go to impact. It's not that situation. Well, how long was he under contract or was that like per appearance type? I, he wasn't there long. I don't even think he was there a year. And for anybody who's wondering, I guess this is pretty much why WWE does uh, offer people contracts and doesn't let people out of contracts when they're like, you know, one year into a three-year deal because look, you have, uh, let's assume William Regal's done, right? Mm -hmm. His contract's up. He's been involved with one of the more prominent factions, if you want to call them that. I think most AEW fans would consider that, consider them that because they have the likes of John Moxley in there, Brian Danielson. Um, they're featured on a weekly basis, pretty much. He's involved in that. He's involved with MJF, who's their top guy, their champion, and he can just turn around and leave and go back to WWE. Look, he's he's an influential guy. He's a smart guy. He's somebody that people look up to. He's got to be talking to younger people there. And it doesn't mean he's recruiting, but it doesn't hurt to have an ally in the other office. Mm-hmm. Hey, William, my contract's up. Can you do anything for me? Sure, I'll talk to Triple H. Well, isn't that how The Undertaker was signed to WWE in 1990 where Heyman vouched for him to Bruce Pritchard? Probably. I think that's I believe that's story. how Scott Hall ended up in uh, WCW too. How much will they pay me? Kevin Nash talked to Eric and... I believe that's how that happened. Yeah, I don't know. But. Something along those lines. But this is not the first story that I think has some conflicting reports and not sure where to go about this. Another one that not a lot of people are really calling BS on this story, but I just noticed it. Something's a little off with this. So earlier this week, we saw Andrade tweet out that he went underwent successful surgery for his torn pectoral muscle, which is why he hasn't been seen in AEW for a while. He tore the muscle during a match in the trios tournament against the elite. Then he did appear in all out at the ladder match, but we know there wasn't much involvement in that match. It was a pretty short match for a ladder match. Nonetheless, that's the last time we've seen him. And then the whole backstage brawl with Sammy Guevara allegedly happened. He allegedly got suspended, but then we have this come out that he has the surgery. So, If I'm not mistaken, I think Meltzer reported that Andrade was suspended by AEW. So has he got this story wrong or is this just a coincidence? He also was hurt at the same time. He had a brawl with Sammy Guevara and got suspended. Well, maybe he was bit during the brawl and somehow tore his peck. And then that led to (laughs) multiple suspensions. And then maybe a dog was hunted, kicked. Wives were in the room, but not questioned. This is why I tend to stay away from these types of reports. And even long before I was ever involved on Twitter for this show or trying to get information or look things up for topics and what what have you, you still had the vocal minority when it was time for Royal Rumble. Like, you know, there was always whispers of, oh, CM Punk's coming back this year. Every year for four or five years. You heard it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Either CM Punk or were, Kenny Omega was number 30 in the Rumble. Yeah. And I I remember one of the more prominent, I don't know if you want to call them journalists, but like around Royal Rumble one year, there were, I think the way they worded it is we we don't have any confirmation, but there are whispers of a major name and we can't confirm and they're going to be in the run. And there was nobody that that year that was a major name. That was not the year that Edge uh, returned. It was just, it's all nonsense. It's like, like I say all the time, it's for clicks and views. And I think what you're referring to is the year Nia Jax was in the men's Royal Rumble and they teased something huge. This was WrestleVotes that tweeted something like something big was going to happen in the Royal Rumble. 
And that was really what it ended up being. Nia Jax being in the men's Royal Rumble. Could have been. I think that the one I'm thinking the one I'm thinking of was not wrestle votes, but honestly, I don't think I follow any of them on Twitter. I see them on my feed and I see what gets said and shared and all that type of stuff. But I don't go out of my way to read or subscribe or any of that stuff to any of those shows because you don't know what's true and you don't know what's not. That's true. I I think at this point, too, like when I was a kid and we were kids, we knew these dirt sheets existed, right? We my, my dad subscribed to Wrestling Observer, PW Torch, maybe even PW Insider. Like we got those all the time. Before there was an IWC, my dad was in the IWC, I guess you could say, or our dad, I should say. We watched the show as if we're just people watching the television show. And it made it so much better. Like, yes, I knew Steve Austin was Steve Williams. Yes, I knew The Undertaker was Mark Calloway. Yes, I knew Ultimate Warrior was Jim Elwig. But I didn't know the backstage bullshit that was going on like my dad did. Forget the dirt sheets. Just watch the damn shows and have fun with it. Sometimes I feel like people are so in tune with the stuff that they read uh, either in a magazine or on Twitter. And it's not so much about what we're seeing on TV or in the ring. It's about, well, what happened with CM Punk? Did he get fired? Did he not? And it's like, how about how about the match last night? Uh, you know, there was Brian Danielson and uh, Dax Harwood and they had a great match. Does anybody want to talk about that? No. Because because here we are three months after the fact and we're still talking about CM Punk and the elite and what the hell is going on with that thing. And, you know, speaking of CM Punk, someone had to make a comment about CM Punk. And based on that comment, we got to talk about it because that's what us podcasters do, apparently. So Eric Bischoff was recently interviewed by the 10 count hosted by uh, Stephen Fall. And he was asked whether or not it would be a smart business decision for WWE to go after CM Punk, seeing that CM Punk was stripped of the AEW World Championship, reportedly suspended by AEW for everything that happened at the brawl out, as it's being called now. And what Bischoff basically said was, I don't think it would be. I think CM Punk shit the bed in AEW. Do you agree with Eric Bischoff here that Punk? Shit the bed in AEW. I think there's a lot of misfortune and a lot of unfortunate things that ended up happening with CM Punk's run. This whole brawl out thing, obviously a big black eye on his run. If it's true, it's riddled with injuries. It's riddled with a lot of good storylines and it's riddled with a lot of stuff that is unfortunate. And that's that has to play into this. So if there was an expectation like maybe Eric Bischoff thought and maybe other people thought this too. That CM Punk was going to walk in the door and automatically they were going to compete. Go head to head with WWE. Uh, Their fanfare would be right at that same level. If you had that expectation, then yeah, he probably shit the bed in your eyes. That's the standard you want to hold him to. I wouldn't say I'm not critical of Eric Bischoff. I think that he's a little underappreciated, especially by the IWC, because at least as far as right now, he's the one guy that can confidently say, I went head to head with Vince McMahon and kicked his ass for at least an extended period of time. and. He revolutionized wrestling and all that type of stuff. So he mm-hmm. doesn't always get credit from the I- for from the IWC for those things. Mm-hmm. But he did take a risk on a guy like Hulk Hogan, brought him over to WCW, and it helped give them credibility. But Hogan was getting booed when that he was that Hulk Hogan, you know. So I mean, he brought Bret Hart in. Bret Hart, you could say, probably shit the bed in WCW. So the booking you know, of Bret Hart shit the bed. He came in 
after the Montreal screw job and they put him in a referee spot. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying if you're if you're going to point the figure and and try to say like, okay, well, CM Punk shit the bed. It's like, yeah, but you brought stars over from WWE and it's not like they lived up to the expectation that I'm sure other people had for them. I think a lot of people thought like I probably would have thought even as a kid, Bret Hart going to WCW was going to be a really, really big deal. And then even looking back in retrospect, it wasn't. I don't think that people will look back and say that CM Punk didn't do anything for AEW. I think it actually shows on a weekly basis. And you're the ratings guy, but I'm going to say it. There are pe- less people watching since he's not on that show. I think we could probably all agree with that. Yes. Um, what Bischoff basically goes by is you look at that first show on Rampage that he appeared and look at the ratings of Rampage now. Look at the ratings of AEW Dynamite and they're basically flatlined. It's a valid point. It's a valid point. But at the same time, it's hard to just say he is the reason behind the flatline. He is the reason why Rampage shit the bed or the ratings aren't that good. I mean, he's not on Rampage to even say, you know, so if he was on a weekly basis on Rampage and these ratings happen, yeah, you could say he shit the bed, but he's not on Rampage. And basically everyone now who watches AEW at least a good a majority of them will pretty much say that Rampage is a missable show. What was the context in which he made this comment? What were they were they talking about if he would go back to WWE? Basically, or WWE should resign. Okay, right. Basically, asked whether or not it would be a good business move for WWE to go after CM Punk, and Bischoff said no because one, the ratings are have not been better since he has been there, and two, you look at what he did. At the media scrum, why would you bring in a guy like that who could easily, regardless of where he is, bury your executives and bookers and talent just like that at a press conference? There's a big difference, man. There's a big difference. It it wouldn't happen in WWE like that. Not hit with him sitting next to Vince or, I would imagine, Triple H. You could say he shit the bed all he wants in AEW and we can sit here and try and pretend that him going to WWE wouldn't be a big deal. The way he left WWE, knowing that he never was able to main event WrestleMania, and you look at the list of who's available to main event, or just a high-profiled match, rumors of Steve Austin wrestling, you mean to tell me, as a businessman, as Triple H, in his first year going into WrestleMania, him signing CM Punk for, even if it's one match, against a Steve Austin, a Roman Reigns, a Rock, a Cody, a Seth, he could wrestle still. It's not like he's past his prime. He could certainly still go in the ring. That's You're debatable. Yourself. Why? Because he can't buckshot Lariat? Not just the buckshot Lariat, but there were some times he looked a little rusty. But then again, he he was coming in and out of injury. He didn't really have consistent matches in and out. So there still might have been some ring rust there. But some people would say, eh, he's past his prime. Cena Punk. I, Big I, match for WrestleMania? Yes. So, yeah, we could sit here and talk about how he shit the bed and you can throw things around like that. But to pretend that he couldn't go back to WWE today, tomorrow, a month from now, going into WrestleMania, be a headliner, be in the top tier match, whatever you want to call it, a primetime match and not draw and not have it feel important, not have it feel special. You're kidding yourself because it's not it. It would absolutely happen. And fans would watch. Yeah, fans would also watch if he ended up in WWE to see if he says anything bad to AEW because he's done it 
in AEW. He's done it in WWE. So I, I think there's still that mystique to him, even though Eric Bischoff will probably disagree with me on that. But we don't even know if he's still under contract with AEW. But one more thing. Sure. And this could be done by design. Whose side have we not heard from yet? We've heard the we've heard the kind of the Buck side of it. We've heard the Jericho side of it. We've had the leaks of Jericho calling him a cancer. Who's the one side that you've really never heard a whole lot from? Well, there have been things come out from Punk's camp. Have we heard from him himself? We're going to get to that. In fact, did you see on Instagram, he posted a picture of his dog, Larry. I don't follow him on Instagram. No. Okay. So he posted a picture of his dog, Larry, who apparently has some teeth missing. And this goes back to the news story that Nick Houseman of Wrestling Inc. reported a few weeks ago saying that the reason why Punk attacked the elite was because when they stormed in, they hit the dog and it caused damage to Larry's mouth and eventually had to get yep. his teeth removed. So this picture seems like that story holds water. It doesn't say whether or not that's what happened to his teeth. It, it didn't like, there's no context of what happened at Brawl. It's just a picture of the teeth. But seeing the picture, do you think that this story now holds water as maybe Punk actually has some validity to this story? Maybe he did have a reason to go after the elite after what happened with the dog or whatever. And maybe we need to hear both sides of the story a little bit more before we make a decision on this. Yeah, it could definitely hold water, but just the same way this could be. Have you ever seen Karate Kid 3? I know you didn't watch those movies too much, but I mean, I'm sure I have okay. in the past. You got, but... you got Kreese, who is the guy that was on AEW, right? Yeah. So he's right. on the phone with the guy Silver and they're trying to think of a way where they can get the revenge on Daniel LaRusso and Mr. Miyagi. And he right. says to him, make his hand, make his knuckles bleed. And Silver manipulates him. He makes him think he's his new sensei. He's going to help him. In, rea in reality, he's actually working him the whole time. Mm -hmm. It's a whole big uh, ruse, so to speak. So, yeah, this whole thing could be true. It could be some big elaborate work where conveniently the dog needs to get some teeth pulled. And you know what? Let's just work him a little bit more. And if, it, if it's a work, like I said, it's a really, really, really good work and well thought out work. I couldn't put that past CM Punk or anybody else involved to, to do that. You know, because for one thing, we've seen, uh, like I said, with anything or most things that CM Punk has been involved with in AEW, that's been the really good stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, what I was going to say before is we've heard a lot of rumors, most of it negative about Punk, most of it making it seem like he's the villain in all of this. We've obviously seen on BTE, you know, the FCM Punk chants, uh, some suggestive things like the buckshot lariat, the biting in the match, by all those types of things, right? WWE doesn't take a whole lot of shots at AEW. AEW? That's also debatable. Not as many shots by comparison. Yes, you're going to, oh, well, you know, Triple H said piss it. Yeah, he said that. But almost, almost weekly or every other week, you're going to get some type of subtle shot at WWE for on an AEW show. That's fine. Whatever. I'm not debating that. But what better way for WWE to get even or to get the... <laughs> the pendulum back swinging in their direction to get yep, punk. You know what? Come on back. Tell your side of the story. Tell it on raw. Tell it on a pay-per-view and to let him go off. Um, 
People want to hear it. I'm sure people want to hear CM Punk's side of it. Yep. Well, we know it's definitely never going to happen on the Cole Cabana podcast, but maybe we do have an update on the status of CM Punk because Stokely Hathaway was recently on Renee Paquette's podcast and Hathaway was talking about what the plans were supposed to be for the firm after All Out. And apparently the firm were supposed to feud with CM Punk, but CM Punk is quote, no longer with AEW. Are we working ourselves into a shoot or are we shooting ourselves into a work? Oh man. Does anybody care about that? Does anybody, would anybody want to see the firm feud with CM? Who's he going to feud with? Morrissey? Moriarty? Come on. What are we talking about here? What a waste. Well, I'm not see, talking about this. It kind of seemed like they did that storyline anyway, but with Moxley instead of Punk in that role. Because they still did like the, the firm and MJF dynamic in the Moxley storyline, but it probably would have been a little bit more deeper had CM Punk still be champion yeah. and not get hurt or whatever happened with All Out. But instead they did this and now the firm weren't even affected at all at All Out. They weren't even there. That's exactly what I was going to say. And they haven't even, they haven't even really <laughs> revisited that or I don't know if you well, want to Ethan say. Well, Ethan Page did say he was going to go after MJF when he wins the Diamond Ring Battle Royal, which right. the winner right. of that faces MJF to win the Dynamite Ring. So we'll see how that goes. But that would essentially be some kind of follow-up to it, if you want to call it that. I don't know. I wouldn't put too much stock in Stokely just coming out and loosely saying, oh, yeah, CM Punk's gone, you know? But. I mean... To say someone that works in AEW saying CM Punk is no longer in AEW, kind of like the first we really got of like some form of confirmation on it. But again, until AEW makes a statement saying he's gone or Punk goes somewhere else and never comes back, I won't believe a damn thing from a podcast or a dirt sheet or whatever. I just not even ours. Not even ours. Don't trust us. Nope. Don't do it. Don't do it. Sorry, guys. But let's move over to WWE because there's some interesting things going on there. After Survivor Series, we had a review ready to go, but unfortunately, technical difficulties buried that idea from actually going up to YouTube and our podcasting providers. Thanks, Streamlabs, you piece of shit. Uh, anyway, so at Survivor Series, the SmackDown Women's Championship match, Ronda Rousey versus Shotzi, I think collectively by many fans, this was the worst match of the night. And a lot of people, <laughs> you know, throwing their pitchforks and torches at Ronda Rousey because of what happened in this match. There was a spot in particular where she was supposed to take a DDT onto the apron, but wouldn't take it. She holds onto the rope and it looks like a very ugly botch. So because of that, we have on Twitter trending fire Ronda Rousey. So, Ralph, do you think this is an overreaction by fans or do you think WWE should consider, you know, not really using Ronda Rousey as much and perhaps even, as the hashtag says, fire Ronda Rousey? All right. So I'm going to take two on this because we kind of already went over this, as you said, the last time, but we had the technical difficulties. But they need to put Ronda Rousey in there with with uh, more experienced wrestlers whether you want to call it like a workhorse or a ring general or whatever you want to call it, somebody who can obviously, and if you want to use the term carry, carry her to a good match. 
Um, you know, and it's funny when we sit here and we talk about this because not too long ago, there were people who didn't necessarily want to see Charlotte Flair wrestle. And it just goes to show you, there's obviously quite a few levels between what a not so experienced professional wrestler versus a top tier professional wrestler like Charlotte is. And look, let's be honest. We've seen Ronda Rousey have good matches. I think that she struggles on the personality side. I think she's lacking certainly in the mic skills. I don't even know if she should be champion right now. I do know that SmackDown doesn't have a lot of, um, if you want to call experience, talented. Uh, they, they don't certainly don't have people like the likes of a Sasha Banks, a Becky Lynch. Um, people like that or women like that, that would be able to, hey, Rhonda, go out there. Just They're going to work through your limitations and you'll be able to have a good match. She's out there with Shotzi. Shotzi's been on the main roster for how long? Like, Maybe a year, maybe about a year now. Yeah. You know, and now she's expected to go out there. Not only that, but take a DDT apron spot. I mean, come on, you got you. It's kind of like you're almost setting her up for failure. I think there's definitely been a regression character wise. You know, there were some people that are saying, oh, turn her heel, turn her heel, turn her heel. And actually by turning her heel, that's made it worse because for whatever reason, they're making this character of hers. Basically what her personality is in real life or at least what we see backstage or whatever and i don't know if she's trying to work fans or whatever but she kind of makes it seem like she does not take wrestling seriously or does not take the business seriously and because of who she is she could just waltz in do what she needs to do and waltz out and that will rub some fans the wrong way and honestly if this isn't a character and this is kind of how she feels she thinks she's above everybody Honestly, I don't think that's going to help the women's division at all. But if it's just her doing this character, it's freaking cringeworthy. All right. Her mic skills and that promo before um, the pay-per-view, before Survivor Series on SmackDown was horrible. And they're, I don't know if she's getting fed these lines or these are coming out of her brain through her mouth, but someone has got to be a mouthpiece for her because... She can't ad-lib for shit if that's ad-libbed. It's bad. I'm sorry. Do I think she needs to be fired? No. There are plenty of worse wrestlers and plenty of worse talkers that have had much lengthy careers than Ronda Rousey's had in, what, four years? It's not all about the work rate, guys. I'm sorry. It never was. Work rate does not equal buy rate. And you could make the argument now Ronda Rousey's probably not helping with buy rates right now or ratings or whatever the case may be, but they still see her as a big name. And she still is kind of a big name. So she's not going anywhere, unfortunately. But, you know, let's let's keep it positive, though. The thing that everyone was talking about on Survivor Series from a positive aspect was this match and the men's war games where it was basically storytelling 101 the the acceptance of Sami Zayn into the bloodline him doing whatever it takes to show his allegiance to the bloodline and it was absolutely great everybody loves it we get the follow-up on on raw this monday kevin owens after being turned on by Sami Zayn, is like dude i don't even want to be bothered with you i don't want to ride with you i don't want to tag with you i don't even want to wrestle you one-on-one i just want to be done with you 
let's just go several ways, whatever. And you could see like the remorse in Sami Zayn's face, you know, that like he wants to be accepted by the bloodline, but his best friend's basically saying, dude, F you, I'm out. So this story is far from over. But because of all this, you have people starting to talk. And even, even before this, they were starting to have the rumbles, but I think they intensified after Survivor Series of Sami Zayn not only winning the Royal Rumble, but beating Roman Reigns at WrestleMania to dethrone the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. Ralph, do you think Sami Zayn should be the one to not only win the Royal Rumble, but dethrone Roman Reigns? My very short list of people that I would even consider would include him. And I've actually said this for about a month now that, you know, how how poetic would it be? It's almost at the point now where it's like, what other story is there to tell? The only other one that even comes to mind is Cody. Mm -hmm. Because Cody does have a legitimate storyline in place. He was the guy that was cast away. He was a top guy in AW. He came back and he's got unfinished business. And that unfinished business, you know, comes at the hands of him potentially beating Roman at WrestleMania, which does he deserve it for everything he's gone through? Yes. But how do you deny a guy like Sami Zayn? And WWE always finds themselves in these situations. They have a plan. And again, this is why, you know, fans could say whatever they want. We could say whatever we want. A man like a Triple H, a man like a Tony Khan, a guy like a Vince McMahon who is actually making that tough decision come WrestleMania time or a big pay-per-view, when you have to make that call, do I go with what we have planned, a.k.a. Batista, or do we go with the guy that's hot and earned it? Daniel Bryan go with the Yes Movement. Kofi Kingston got hot going into WrestleMania. They had to put the belt on him. I know there's rumblings, and I think fans would be satisfied with Kevin Owens and Sammy beating the Usos. I think that that that's a satisfying ending to this and Cody being the guy to take the title off Roman. If you're Triple H, what do you go with? Do you go with Sammy or do you go with Cody? If those are your only two options. Right now, I would probably go with Sammy Zayn. Really? Over Cody Rhodes. Is it partly because he hasn't been seen since Hell in a Cell with his torn pec injury? Well, look. And I'm not even trying to be funny when I say this. Dave Meltzer said this. Things change. No one was going to predict that Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to come out, win the King of the Ring, and start the whole, oh, Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass, blah, blah, the whole thing, and so on and so on, and predict that he was going to be the biggest star in pro wrestling history. Nobody thought that Rocky Maivia was going to be The Rock. Things like this come about in wrestling. This probably started out as a joke, and it started to work, and Stammy started to prove, like, hey, you know what? That thing I did with Johnny Knoxville last year. Yeah, I knocked that out of the park, but watch what I'm going to do in this role. And fans are starting to pick up on pick up on it. It's starting to get a lot of momentum. And Cody can't do anything about this. He can, it's not like he can get himself over. It's almost like you want to keep Sammy out of the Royal Rumble because you're you're putting yourself in a position where you're going to you may screw yourself if you put Cody and Sammy in there. Well, what if you do this? You know, you have elimination chamber after Royal Rumble, and that's in Montreal, which is obviously yeah. the hometown of Sami Zayn, we don't know what's going to happen with Elimination Chamber because the belts are unified. We never had this situation where the belts are unified. So does Roman Reigns, you know, put one of those titles on the line at Elimination no. Chamber? 
Like, what do you do? What's going to be the Elimination Chamber match? Or, or some people are thinking, you know what? The winner of the Royal Rumble goes for one belt and the winner of the Elimination Chamber goes after the other belt and Roman wrestles both nights. Unless Roman wins one of the matches night one and then goes into night two and drops both. In my mind, I think he's got to defend both and you got to have one person beat him. You can't have a guy carry the titles for this long, go unbeaten only to lose one of the belts or, you know, lose one of the matches or drop both of them. This has the potential to launch either Cody into, hey, I've arrived. I proved all the doubters wrong. Or Sami Zayn's going to arrive as like a top tier guy that probably nobody ever envisioned him as being. The thing that I worry about, and this is the constant problem that we have in wrestling today. The guy that has the throw of the chase gets what he's chasing. Then what? Let him lose. That quick? You just said it yourself. Some people, the story, look, the story in all of this is a dominant champion and Sami Zayn being used. The big moment, the pop, the th- the WrestleMania moment is Sami Zayn pinning him. That's the highlight reel. The next night on Raw, a villain like an Austin Theory, a Seth Rollins, a heel Seth Rollins coming out and beating him for the title after one night, while fans would hate what it. What would that mean for the, the, the reign of Roman Reigns? That he goes Nothing. all this time, he goes all this time defending the title and holding it for so long, two plus years. The guy that he loses to loses it 24 hours later that doesn't happen in real life not really that doesn't happen in real life you, it, you don't you don't go out and there aren't people that go out and like hit hit powerball or hit lotto and die the next day of a heart attack like shit like this happens all the odds the of that happening are so slim though but it happens and Sami Zayn is the guy that you never and look you could even do the thing where you got kevin owens who comes out and helps him win that title. Yes. Like, it doesn't have to be a clean win. No, it doesn't. The moments you want are the fans going ape shit for Sami Zayn winning that title at WrestleMania over, over Roman. And then you just transition into a new story, and the, the characters have different uh, depths to their personality, and it's just all a new story. This is fictional, people. No, this I understand. Fiction. It's I not understand a real that. sport. I understand that, but that's what I'm saying is it's it, what's the next story? What comes next for Sami Zayn? I think it's easier to write Cody's path well, after beating Roman than it is Sami's path after beating Roman. Well, it, it is, and I'm just suggesting this. All I'm suggesting is the fact that, like, look, Roman drops the title, whether whoever it's to. He's got to drop that title, and you got to think he's probably taking some time off. You're losing yes. your top guy. You're losing your top heel. Mm-hmm. Assuming Sami Zayn's the guy that takes the title off him, if he goes out there on Raw, whether it's after a week, one day, however long, and drops the title in a short title, because I think we could probably all agree, I don't think anybody's going to view Sami Zayn as a dominant champion. It, 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 it probably would no. be a shorter title reign. So if you need to build up a new heel, Seth, Barry, whoever, what better way to build that heel up than beating the most over babyface in quick fashion? I mean, WWE right now probably is heel heavy. Honestly, I think it does come down to just Cody and Sami Zayn. I still think Cody is the is the one they go with. I don't think there's a wrong answer. It comes. I tell you what, I don't think the right answer is The Rock. At this point, do we even go that route of Roman versus The Rock? I know that's the big money match from a business aspect. If The Rock is available, you got to book Roman versus Rock. But from a 
future business aspect and trying to build the future WWE, would it be better off saying, Rock, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. But that's a huge gamble if, and well, if that's a swing and a miss, too. Who do you want to please? Do you want to please the hardcore wrestling fan base who would probably go for Cody? Like, I mean, even if you're an AEW fan who wants to pretend Cody was never really as good, which is bullshit. I just feel like Rock's been gone for so long that I, I feel like they, I almost feel like they'd boo him. I don't know. I just think it would be weird because we've seen how upset fans can get when they don't get what they feel they should get. Like when they didn't get Brian Danielson and Batista came back and won, that wasn't good for Batista. Now, when Batista came back after and was the, the, the heel against Triple H, it was totally different. Mm -hmm. They actually cheered him. Everything in perspective, I don't know if The Rock's the right call. Right. Well, I mean, we bring up Sami Zayn and what he's been doing with the bloodline. It's been great. But I do have to ask a question because it was brought up by someone in our Babel section, Ralph. And wanted to get your take on this because they specifically asked for you to answer this. So for those that want to ask any questions for us on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble, use the hashtag AskSCPB on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or look for our posts on the community page on our YouTube channel as well. It comes from Ryan Davis, and he asks, do you think Jim Cornette would say he enjoys and improves if the Blackpool Combat Club broke character in the ring and started laughing at each other during a promo like the bloodline do with Sami Zayn or if little Bow Wow dove onto a table during a pay-per-view world title match while taking a video for his website. Just curious. If it was like Brian Danielson or Cesaro, Casanoli, whatever you want to call him, if they broke character and started to laugh because somebody did or said something, I think he'd be okay with it. If it was Moxley, no. Not a chance. He is not a Plumber Moxley fan. Right. Um, if it was Wheeler Yuta, no. Um, I think he obviously has his guys that he favors in AEW. That's pretty evident, especially if you pay attention and listen to his podcast on a frequent basis. So I, if it was one of those guys in the segment actually delivered and was, you know, uh, delivered in a way that like a guy like uh, Sami Zayn is capable of delivering, then I guess he'd be okay with it. Let's be honest, Bow Wow is not Logan Paul. He's not at that level of athleticism. If you do the exact same thing with Bow Wow and Logan Paul, it's just, it loses it just based on the, it doesn't pass the eye test. You saw Bow Wow at AEW this past week. I mean, the guy looked like he was 40 pounds overweight, well <laughs> past his prime. My wife told me he's broke, which I'm not, I don't know. I would. I think he's probably got more money than I, but he just he's came not off a world celebrity. tour. How can he be broke? I don't know the last time I've heard a Bow Wow song on the radio, but Me I know either, Logan but... Paul's a top tier YouTuber. Yeah, but I also never heard Bad Bunny on the radio. That doesn't mean that he's not rich or popular or whatever either. You've never, oh my God, you haven't listened to the radio in a long time then. <laughs> well, I listen to either sports talk radio or classic rock radio, so you're not going to hear oh, Bad Bunny on either of those formats. Just to go with go. my point, just because you haven't heard him doesn't mean it's not exist. Is what I'm my point is what Bow I'm trying wow, to say. Bow Wow wouldn't be capable of doing what Logan Paul did from an athletic Well, standpoint. you don't know now, that. He was you haven't seen him in the wrestling ring yet. You're just going by what he looks like because he's got like a big puffy jacket and a hood over his head. I okay maybe 
I don't think Jim Cornette liked the spot when Logan Paul did it. I actually I, wasn't I listened, the biggest fan I, of that myself. I went back to listen to see what he said. And basically, Cornette's thought was, it made sense. And he wasn't really too much of a fan of it. But he also did point out, he's we're kind of liking it just because we're so accustomed to what happens in AEW. It was basically what his comment was. So he kind of had to throw like a biased jab at AEW for the comment. Um, but the thing, the, the thing that I wanted to look at, because there's kind of a situation like that with Blackpool combat club and breaking character per se is when Regal does commentary and he's flirting with Excalibur, yeah. they're trying to break Taz's character per se. And I've never seen a clip of Cornette commenting on those. And if it's where he has a problem with Regal doing that, but doesn't have a problem with Sami Zayn doing what he does and breaking character of the bloodline, that's absolutely bias. That's hypocrisy. Yeah. Both of, to me, I think they're both freaking hilarious. I have no problem with either one. Do I have a problem with Bow Wow doing a dive on with the phone or whatever? I have no problem with the actual spot itself. It's all about context and execution. If it makes sense for the match, it made sense for Logan Paul to do that, given because his background his as a U-type yeah. YouTuber and trying to make uh, Roman Reigns go viral. It made sense in that match, right? If MJF did it in a world title match with no context whatsoever, it just makes it feel like they're taking a jab at Logan Paul and WWE. It makes no sense. It's all about context and execution. If the context made sense and the splash looked like crap, I'd bash the the, the uh, execution of it. Not the fact that they did it, just the fact that they did it shitty would be my gripe on it. So I don't think I don't know if I agree if I would have the same thought process as Cornette in this re regard because I think he, as you pointed out, I think he has his prejudice to certain wrestlers given whether their background in the indie scene or their style of wrestling or whatever the case may be. Perhaps it is even in fact what promotion they work for. Cause I know some people do have those said prejudices. Me personally, I know what I like and dislike regardless of the three letters that are put producing the show. And if it's good, it's good. If it sucks, it sucks. Doesn't matter who's booking the damn show. Vince McMahon could be booking the same shit as Tony Khan does in AEW, and it's shit regardless. That's my point. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. If you liked what you heard and you're listening on either iTunes or Spotify, make sure you give us a five-star review to help spread the word. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. Mm -hmm.